We are continuing our series uh, through Philippians after a couple of weeks break. It's lovely to be back with you again. Uh, and a warm welcome again to those who are uh, those who are new or those who have been away. Philippians chapter 2, there's an outline uh, in one of your handouts. Uh, there's an outline of where we're going in the sermon, so it would be helpful to have that in front of you. Uh, and if you want to take notes, there are um, pencils at the... Uh, at the welcome desk, uh, feel free to grab one from there, if you like as well. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to death upon the cross, and that you have raised him up and exalted him. Thank you that he was willing to be that servant for us, dying in our place, take our sins, in obedience to you and for your glory. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as we look to him and as we look at uh, the examples that are set forward in your word today, that you will stir us uh, to be a servant like him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was the 17th century Puritan, Thomas Brooks, who wisely observed that example is the most powerful rhetoric. John MacArthur said, the single greatest tool of leadership is the power of an exemplary life. And the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now Paul could say that, couldn't he? He was an example of someone who was fully committed to Jesus Christ. Someone who sought to do what he commanded the Philippians to do back in chapter 1 verse 27. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. He was a gospel driven man. Great model of single minded devotion to the Lord. Because he himself was following a greater example example that we sang about from uh, Philippians second half or first half of chapter 2 in Philippians the example of the Lord Jesus who is God but humbled himself in lowly service to die for our sins in our place and whose ultimate goal was to bring glory to the Father But in verses 19 to 30 of chapter 2, we see some other examples. Paul writes here about two other good men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. They were not apostles of Jesus Christ. And yet they too were worth imitating. And so this morning we're going to look at their examples and we're going to see what we can learn from them. And the first of these is Timothy. And you may recall that uh, Timothy was Paul's protege. Uh, he had been working with Paul and learning from him. They'd been, uh, he was, Paul was his mentor and they'd been together for, for a number of years. In fact, Timothy was on the team that first planted that church in Philippi. And it could be that the Philippians had asked Paul to send Timothy to them. And Paul intends to do that. And so in verse 19 he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. And if we go down to verse 23, Paul repeats his intention. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. 
Okay, he wants Timothy to go. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you Timothy, but just wait first, lah. Okay, see how things go first. See, Paul's in prison, probably at Rome. Uh, for reasons that we've seen before, he has confidence under God that he will be released from prison, but it's confidence, not presumption. So he doesn't want to send Timothy yet till he finds out what's happened or what will happen to him. He'll still need Timothy there if he's in prison, but he'll send him as soon as he can. But notice the reason why Paul is going to send Timothy back to Philippi. Verse 19. He says, So that I too may be cheered by news of you. See, he was concerned for the Philippians. He wanted Timothy to go back and find out more about what's happening with them and report back to him. Uh, they were concerned for him. He was concerned for them. Right? But he's positive, he's sure that the news will be positive because he says he will be cheered by the news. He'll be encouraged that his friends are okay, that they're pressing on in the gospel. By the way, if Timothy went not to the Philippians, but he came to us at Smack and ACA, sent news back to Paul, do you think Paul would have been cheered? Would he be encouraged that, that we are pressing on in the gospel? Would he be relieved that we are conducting ourselves and our relationships in, in ways worthy of the gospel? Would Timothy report that we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling? And that we are following the example of Christ in love and humility? What kind of report do you think Timothy would have given back to Paul about us? He came and looked at us. If you're in a cell group, what kind of report would he be given on your cell group? Well, I might be a bit biased. In fact, I'm sure I am. Right. But as I, as I look at our congregations, I, I for one, and I think I'm genuinely encouraged by what I see. Not that we're a perfect church. We've got a long way to go in many areas. I know that better than anyone, I think. But I do see people pressing on in the gospel. I do see people growing more like Christ. I do see people growing to maturity, being equipped for ministry, loving each other. I do see reconciliation and forgiveness where there could have been bitterness and hardness of heart. I do see people living sacrificially. So the gospel might go out. You'll see people working hard for the kingdom. I'm not saying we can be complacent. I'm not saying we don't have things to learn from others. I'm not saying there are no relational problems. I'm not saying that there are no frustrations and difficulties. But I'd rather be pastor of Smack 1, Smack 2 and ACA than any other three congregations I can think of. I see the gospel is growing, bearing fruit among you. See, God is working among you by His Spirit, through His Word. Not all the same. It'd be a bit boring if we were. But we are united in the Gospel. And if I were Timothy, I'd be bringing good news about you back to Paul. But that's just an aside. Looking at Timothy's example, what is it about Timothy 
that Paul trusts him to go to the Philippians and report back on him. What is it about him that makes him stand out among the other leaders? Stands out, makes him a, a good example to us. Oh, the answer there is in verse 20. I have, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Timothy genuinely cared for the Philippians. Paul knew that. Because, verse 21, he is not like the others who seek their own interests and not that of Jesus Christ. See, brothers and sisters, there were many Christian leaders in Rome, many people preaching the gospel. Uh, we saw back in chapter 1 that there were many of them doing it for the wrong reason. And we saw Paul's frustrations there. They were, were self-interested. They were after the glory or the status or money, I don't know. But just like people in the world, they were not in it for Jesus. They were in it for themselves. Because if they were in it for Jesus, then they would love his people. Like Timothy did. And don't be surprised if you find among God's people or even among leaders of God's people those who are in it for their own benefit don't be shocked don't be discouraged don't be shaken in your faith it's always like that it will be like that until the Lord returns when he comes he will call the shepherds to light to account Just like he did with the shepherds of Israel in our Old Testament reading. But friends, those of us who are leaders among God's people, let's make sure we have the right attitudes. If you want to be a leader among us at Smack, then, then you must be like Timothy. So must I. You see, the crucial thing in Christian leadership is not strategy and slickness and image and marketing and spin and professionalism. It's genuine care for the people that we lead. And that is aligned with seeking the interests of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, it would be great if we can be on time every week. It'd be great if we can be so slick and professional that everything in church ran like clockwork. Sure, we should work towards that. 10.30 starts. Bang! But it is far, far more important that we seek the glory of Jesus and each other's welfare. It doesn't have to be either or. Both ends will be even better. But if you ask me to choose a hundred times between a church that is slick and professional and has no mistakes up front, and everything just goes perfectly or a church where Christ is glorified through the gospel as people genuinely care for each other in a gospel-centered way I tell you a hundred times I will choose the latter that's the priority so leaders future leaders we must have genuine love for the people that we lead must be looking out for them and their welfare must ultimately be seeking the glory of Christ not our own status or interests 
Timothy genuinely sought the welfare of the Philippians. He really cared for them. And the Philippians in turn trusted him. They considered him a proven worker. Paul writes in verse 22, You know Timothy's proven worth. You know. You know he genuinely cares for you. You know that he seeks the interests of Jesus Christ, not himself. You know that, he says. How do they know? Well, that doesn't happen overnight, does it? They have a history together. Remember, Timothy was there with Paul when they planted the church. That was his first ministry venture when he joined Paul's team. The Philippians had seen Timothy. They would seen his ministry. Paul reminds them in verse 22 that, they, that, they, that uh, he proved himself. How? How as, father, as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. You know that word served there? It's actually literally slaved. Remember our first sermon in this series, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2? We saw that we are slaves of Christ. Well, Timothy, like Paul, worked like a slave for the gospel. And the Philippians knew it. They knew firsthand his commitment to the gospel and to the people of God. They knew it was genuine and they trusted his trainer, Paul. Knew where he was getting his input from. Paul was like a father to him in ministry. You know, back in those days, the father would teach his son his work. So if your father is a farmer, then he'll teach you how to farm. and That's what you become. If your father is a carpenter, he'll teach you the skills of carpentry. And when you grow up, you become a carpenter as well. If your father is a lawyer, then, well, pity you, huh? His father would, would teach and train his son on the job. And they worked together. And Paul says that as a son with a father, he has slaved with me for the gospel. Philippians knew Timothy, they trusted Timothy, they knew Paul, and they knew Timothy's character was proven. And friends, if we want to seek to follow Timothy's example, that means we need to put in hard work. Be willing to receive the appropriate training for whatever ministry God gives us, whether it's preaching the gospel publicly, whether it's following people up one-to-one, whether it's running a cell group, whether it's setting up the room for church on Sundays, whether it's preparing handouts or stuffing envelopes or filing papers or maintaining websites or teaching children, we'll be willing to work hard and work together with others in the context of the community of God's people and show us faithfulness that over a period of time will show that we care and we can be trusted. And as we do that, then doors are open for more ministry, more ways of serving in the church of God. And by the way, this section about Timothy gives us a bit of insight, doesn't it, into the Paul's uh, missionary methods. He loves and cares for the church, and he takes specific gifted people like Timothy and he trains them on the job for gospel ministry. And many years later, he will tell Timothy to pass the gospel to other faithful people who will in turn do that to others. And so his work will multiply exponentially over the years. And that's, that's part of our ministry strategy here at SPAC as well. 
We want to train people for ministry at all levels. And particularly we want to make sure we're training people like Timothy. Part of our training is full-time apprenticeships. Uh, do short-term internships, that's been great as well. But here we're talking about full-time apprenticeships like, like, like Timothy was. Right? Since we started till now, we've had eight apprentices who were slaved away for the gospel. started with Tim Phillips. Then some of you remember Mark Wilson and Chris Flint and Gordon Stead, Ben Dyson, Mary Ann Liao and now Tim Nichols and, and Brian King. Fine young people, every one of them. Slaved away for the gospel among us, being trained on the job among us. You know them. All serving the Lord in different places, in different ways. Now we know that two of them who finished their apprenticeships are committed themselves to long term ministry among us here. It's Tim and, and Mary Ann. So there, our senior pastoral staff. We've got Tim Nichols and Brian King as apprentices. And so. I tell you they're a great team. But I don't have to tell you, do I? Because you know what they're like. You don't know Tim and Brian so well because, well, Tim's always at Sunday school and Brian's at youth in the mornings. But let me tell you, they all work hard among us. They slave among us. They have faithful service. They genuinely care for God's people. They seek for the interests of Jesus Christ not themselves like the original Timothy they have proven themselves among us as servants of God pray for next year friends uh, Tim Nichols going back to Australia to go to more college to do his theological degree he's actually training a bonus really because he's kind of like actually finished his apprenticeship in Australia and come do an extra year here uh, he's going back in six months Pray that God will send more apprentices to train with us. And in fact, pray that God would raise up more Timothys from our own congregations. From here, or SMAC 2, or ACA. Pray that God will bring up more Timothys from among us. Men or women who are godly in character, who are already doing ministry in some way or other, who are willing to give themselves spend two years fully involved in the work of the gospel so they work out if God has gifted them to do it full time for the rest of their lives and who are willing to work like slaves among us who genuinely love God's people and seek the interests of Jesus Christ that's an ad come and see me if you're interested It's not just Timothy who's on view of this passage. It's not just those who are gifted for preaching and teaching and leading who are to be faithful servants and worthy ministers of the gospel. There's, there's another hero here. And there's no indication that he was a preacher or teacher or evangelist. He might have been, but it doesn't say. But like Christ, he was a servant. And he too lived a life that is worthy of the gospel that he received. His name is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is a man from Philippi. The name Epaphroditus means lovely or charming. Maybe his parents thought he was a cute baby. Then of course all parents think their babies are cute. 
Hannah and Beth, my babies, the ones who are really cute. If you ask me, though, Epaphroditus sounds more like a terrible disease than a cute baby. <laughs> Actually, his parents were probably um, worshippers of uh, the goddess Epaphrodite, uh, the Greek goddess of, of, uh, of beauty and love, and so probably he's named after her. Uh, and if that's the case, then of course we know he's a Gentile convert. Uh, and Epaphroditus is sent by the Philippian church to go and help Paul. Uh, chapter 4, verse 18, when we, read, when we come to that, we will see that um, he brought a monetary gift to Paul from the Philippians. But it seems that he also came uh, to help him personally, uh, to look after him in practical ways in prison as he worked for the gospel there. Now, that is not a very glamorous task, is it? But Epaphroditus was willing to do it. And yet now Paul is sending him back, probably with this letter. The the, Philippians might be expecting that Paul will keep Epaphroditus and send back Timothy. Uh, But so Paul needs to make sure that it's very clear that he's sending Epaphroditus home for, you know, he's not, he doesn't like Epaphroditus. Because and he wants to make sure that he's sending Epaphroditus back, that he's telling them he's sending, not that Epaphroditus has chickened out of his missionary service or just running away back home or something like that. Okay? Paul is sending him. So verse 25 says that, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. So he's not going back in disgrace. Paul speaks of him highly. My brother my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. Epaphroditus okay. is not someone who is able to really diagnose the situation in, in uh, Philippi well enough to you know, come tell Paul exactly what's going on there. He says, we've got to go to send Timothy. Right, he's not at that kind of level. But he's my brother. He's my fellow worker. He's my fellow soldier. Epaphroditus is first of all Paul's brother in Christ, isn't he? That's the first thing. First and foremost. And, and, that's, and that's always like that, isn't it? I mean, in, in our relationships together, our primary relationship with each other is as brother and sister. Because first and foremost, who are we? We are children of God. The highest blessing of our redemption through Christ is having God as our Father before anything else we are His children and so as we relate to each other first and foremost we are brothers and sisters so when I relate to you yes I'm your pastor but that is functional not fundamental One day, I won't be your pastor. I hope that day will coincide with the day that Jesus returns. But I don't know. But if you and I are children of God, then for all eternity, I will be your brother. First and foremost, we are brothers and sisters. Paphroditus says, Paul says, Paphroditus, he's my brother. And then he says, he's my fellow worker. 
The picture there is of laborers in the field. Someone who takes a chunk or, you know, work, work, work. Worked with me in the gospel. Labored with me to promote it. What Epaphroditus did, we don't know. Since Paul was in prison, maybe it is simple things like getting him food, helping him write his letters, getting people that Paul needs to see, bringing them to see him, even doing whatever chores need to be done to enable Paul to continue to minister. Whatever he does, he's there to help Paul from the Philippians, and he does it so that the gospel might grow. He's Paul's fellow worker for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the third thing he says, he's my fellow soldier. A picture is not just of another worker in the field, but someone who shares the experience of battle. We all know the experience of getting fired, don't we? Bang, bang, bang. Right? By friends or foes. We suffered from the enemies of the gospel. Well, these guys suffered together. They risked their lives for Jesus. Paul in prison, Epaphroditus to, to be there with him. They are fellow soldiers, he says. As you think on your life, who can you describe in this kind of way? Who can you call a brother or sister, fellow worker, and a fellow soldier? All three. Are there other believers who think of you this way? Well, if not, then maybe you've been holding back in some way. I wonder if you're missing out on some of the joy of ministry partnership. Perhaps you're missing out on the great privilege it is to love and to work and to suffer side by side with other believers in the, in the great gospel enterprise that will last forever. Don't miss out. Be like Epaphroditus. Be willing to serve, even in tasks that don't seem terribly glamorous. And as you do, you find that you build relationships with your fellow workers that are precious indeed. Epaphroditus was loved by Paul as a brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, in a way that if he died, Paul would imply later, he would have been devastated. But for the Philippians, the relationship is a bit different. He is their messenger. Now, take a look at the word messenger in verse, uh, in, in verse uh, 25. The word messenger in verse 25. In the Greek, the word is apostle. Does surprise you a little bit? Uh, the word apostle, let me explain. The word apostle, you understand, means sent one. One who is sent. Yeah? Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is sent by the risen Lord. He carries the authority of Jesus Christ who sent him. Epaphroditus is not an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is an apostle of the Philippians. That is, he is sent by the Philippians. He is someone whom the Philippians have sent to help Paul. So it's a completely different kind of thing, isn't it? He doesn't carry the authority of Christ. He's just someone who is sent by the Philippians. He is their apostle or he is their messenger. Just like 
Paul is the apostle or the messenger of Jesus. But there's another thing there, look at as well. In verse 25, look at the other word there, minister. The word minister in verse 25 is actually the word for the religious service that the priests, Old Testament priests, used to perform in the temple. It's the, it's the word for priestly service in the temple. And Epaphroditus is called a servant, a server, like the, like the priest in the Old Testament. Of course he's not an Old Testament kind of priest. He's not in the temple offering sacrifices. Jesus offered the one perfect sacrifice on the cross. What is Epaphroditus doing? He's out there helping Paul. Directly or indirectly promoting the gospel. He is giving the apostle of Jesus assistance on behalf of the church. And yet Paul uses this religious priestly language of the Old Testament and applies it to what Epaphroditus is doing in the New. Because you see, worship is now something that we do not just in in religious contexts, but with all of our lives. The temple service is not just for priests, but for all of us. And it's no longer in the temple where we serve, it's anywhere and everywhere where we give ourselves as a living sacrifice for the sake of Jesus. And that's what Epaphroditus was doing. Let me give you one example of service, a bit like what Epaphroditus was doing. Uh, Some of you, a number of people actually from our community, have from time to time volunteered chunks of time to come to the office to help out with admin work. A God in His kindness actually provides us with a string of people, one after another after another, to help us, sometimes for months at a time. Uh, lately this year, God provided Shanti. You know, Shanti, she goes to ACA, sometimes she, she comes here, probably get emails from her. Really supports me in the admin side of the ministry. Really a key person there. That's really helpful for the ministry because enables me to be far more productive in spending time with people. And she does it far better than I would anyway. Still have people to come in and out. We have Sam Pang from uh, Spec 2. He comes in and does filing. And we tell you the way the work's happening in the office, we need one or two more people to come and do filing as well. See, filing papers, making phone calls, sending out emails, organizing events, all done in the name of Jesus, the glory of Christ, the ultimate advancement of his kingdom. Those things are as much service as what the priests in the Old Testament times did when they offered sacrifices in the temple. As we love our brothers and sisters, as we slave with our fellow workers, as we fight as fellow soldiers for Christ and His gospel, that is worship. For we are seeking, above all, to glorify Jesus. So Epaphroditus is sent by the Philippian church to help Paul, but there's a problem, you see. Somewhere along the way, he became ill. Don't know what happened, don't know why. We know three things. We know it was serious. Verse 27 says, he was near to death. Verse 30 says, he nearly died for the work of Christ. Serious illness this guy had. And secondly, we know it was directly related to his mission. He nearly died. Why? For the work of Christ. And thirdly, we know it was the result of his own decision. At verse 30, we see that he 
risked his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He risked his life. The word translated risk there is the word for gambling. Right? It might have been that he became sick on the way and should have rested, but instead he kept on traveling so he can get to Paul. Don't know. And whatever the case is, Epaphroditus gambled with his life. He took big risks with his health in order to discharge his responsibilities. And he nearly died. This guy is not only willing to be of service, not only willing to represent his church in helping Paul, he's also willing to take chances with his life in order to do it. That's... Would you gamble with your life for the sake of the gospel? Back in the 3rd century AD, there were a group of Christians in a place called Carthage in North Africa who were called the Gamblers. They gambled with their lives by visiting prisoners and the sick, especially those with dangerous infectious diseases. They took the gospel to them. In AD 252, plague broke out in Carthage. The pagans threw out the bodies of their dead and fled in terror. What did the Christians do? They buried the dead and they nursed the sick. They risked their own health. They saved the city. They gambled with their lives and became a great witness for Christ. Now I'm not suggesting that you go and gamble with your life in an irresponsible way. got to be responsible. Because we, we are servants of God. We want to serve Him long term. But sometimes we are very, very conservative. In what ways do you or I need to be a bit more adventurous? What ways can we show our willingness to die for Christ by being more courageous in our service of Him? Friends, we sang earlier, we want to honor God with all our hearts. What kind of risks do we need to take in order to do that? All kinds of things come to mind. But the most surprising thing about Epaphroditus is not just that he would risk his life for the sake of the gospel, but that having made the sacrifice, his great concern was not about himself, but about his home church. Philippians. Paul says in verse 26, he says, He has been longing for you all and he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And imagine that. He's distressed. Why? Because they heard he was ill. See? Nowadays, news instantaneous, huh? Okay? If uh, Jake has a heart attack here, alright, straight away, what he can do? Send the SMS to, you know, wherever. Um, someone in England or America or whatever and say, hey, 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 pray for Jake. Because, right? or you can take a photo of him lying on the floor and put it in the Facebook site or, you know, you can send an email to everyone uh, in Smack and say, pray for Jake. He's had a heart attack. Uh, and if he gets better, then it's put it on the blog and say, hey, Jake's better, thank God. Now, back in those days, news, news travels very slowly. The time the news finally gets to the Philippians that Epaphroditus is seriously sick, he's, he's, he's better. And the news hasn't got to them yet, and he's, 
And he's worried about them. He's worried how they're coping with, with his illness. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Right. If you were at death's door, what would you be thinking? You know, I hope the Philippians are not too upset when they heard I was ill. Hope it doesn't shake their faith and trust in Jesus. Hope huh? they don't worry about me too much. He's another gospel man who thinks of others more than himself, doesn't he? But it's interesting, isn't it, that a gospel man gets really sick and nearly dies. See, contrary to what some people around KL have been teaching, Christians are not immune from sickness. And we aren't immune from death. Listen to how Paul puts it in verse 27. He says, Indeed he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. God had mercy upon him. Not, we demanded healing because it's the right of all Christians to live in good health. Not, I believed a miracle would take place, even though I had no direct from God, word from God that it would, and sure enough it did. Not even I laid hands on him and healed him, just like I healed so many others. Paul healed many people, hadn't he? The recovery of Epaphroditus is simply attributed to God's mercy. Healing was not something that even Paul could presume upon. But, God had mercy on him. Friends, it is right to pray for the sick. It is right to ask God for healing. God is merciful. And he does heal. But we can never, never presume on it. Don't listen to people who say that all God's children have the right to good health. As if the blessings of the new creation, all the blessings of the new creation are available now. We will have perfect health at the end of the age, but, but not now. It's still part of this, this fallen world of suffering and pain. And yet sometimes God grants healing in his mercy by whatever means he wishes. And whether he heals or chooses not to, it is good. it is for the good of his children who love him. God spared the life of Epaphroditus. And Paul was thankful. And now Paul wants to send him back to the Philippians so they'll know he's okay and they'll be relieved. Verse 28, I am the more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and I may be less anxious. Now that's thoughtful too, isn't it? Paul and Epaphroditus are both worrying about the Philippians, worrying that Epaphroditus was sick. And Epaphroditus was sick because he risked his life to fulfill the task given him by the Philippians who sent him to go and help Paul. It's a love triangle, isn't it? Right? Of a good kind. Beautiful triangle of care and concern. Paul, Epaphroditus, the Philippians. Same kind of care and concern where they cultivate for each other. And so when he sends him back, he sends him with great acclamation. Verse 29-30. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paphroditus was willing to die for serving Christ. And he nearly did. Did his job. He delivered the package to Paul. Stay with Paul long enough for him to know him as a brother, co-worker, fellow servant. Wasn't able to do everything he intended to do. Didn't stay long with Paul and tend to his needs as, as had been planned. Ill health got the better of him. His home church got really worried about him. 
Paul had to send him back. The fact that he didn't last on the mission field didn't mean that he was a loser. And missionaries who come home after sacrificing all on the mission field are not failures. People who burn out doing ministry are not failures. Not to say we should burn people out far from that. We should care for our workers like Paul and the Philippians, care for Epaphroditus, but we should honor people who put themselves at risk to serve God. Epaphroditus was not a failure. He was a brave man. He was willing to gamble with his life for the service of Christ. When he returned to the Philippians, he was not a reject, but a hero. Someone to be honored. I say, when I think about Epaphroditus, there's numbers of people in our congregation I can think about. One of them I think about is Mary Ann. So many ways she goes out for the gospel, not only in the mission work that she does, but in the pastoral work, a lot of behind the scenes work that none of you know anything about. She puts herself at risk in all kinds of ways for the sake of the gospel, which we don't necessarily approve of. But honor her for that. You know, we worry about her like Philippines worried about Epaphroditus. She's very overstretched, needs to cut back. So pray for her. Go and ask her is there anything you could do to help? If you're a woman, you need pastoral help from her, go right ahead, because that's what she, you know, she's, she's there for you. She's genuinely concerned. Go and talk to her. That's her main ministry, but just if you need help with you know, photocopying and admin staff or other things then, that someone else can do, then please serve us, serve the congregation by getting someone else to do it. Because thereby you'll be serving God's people. She can concentrate on proclaiming the gospel and discipling people. She's quite overstretched. Okay, brothers and sisters. As we seek to live lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus, we've been given here two examples that we can imitate. Timothy really cared for the church genuine is concerned for that not doing ministry in his own interests but the interests of Jesus Christ slaved away for his gospel his glory his people imitate Timothy people like him remember he was imitating Christ who cares for us his people in an even deeper way the one who truly served, not his own interests, but ours, as he died upon the cross. And the one who sought not his glory, but the glory of the Father. Imitate Timothy, because Timothy imitates Christ. And imitate Epaphroditus, who was willing to serve even in the simple things was willing to risk his life for the sake of the gospel and in the midst of that was more concerned for other people than himself. 
and whose faithfulness and love and commitment to Jesus was proven through suffering and so was a hero. And yet he too was simply imitating Jesus Christ who was willing to take the lowest place as a servant in order to save us. Who not only risked his life but gave his life to rescue us from sin. Whose love for the Father and for us was proven through suffering and whose faithfulness meant that he paid the ultimate price for our salvation. Imitate Timothy, imitate Epaphroditus, but ultimately imitate Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these examples that you have set before us in Scripture. Thank you for Timothy and Epaphroditus. We pray that as they imitated Christ, that we too may be like them. Make us a people who are genuinely concerned for each other, who seek not our own interests, but the interests of Jesus. A people who are willing to do the not so glamorous things, because we know that what is important is the gospel of Jesus goes forward. People who are willing to suffer to gamble with our lives for the sake of the gospel. Help us ultimately to keep on looking at Jesus who gave himself for us, who genuinely concerned for us, who sought the interests of the Father, who not only suffered but died for our sake help us to be like him take us to be with him in glory in the end we ask this in his name Amen